You're listening to the Brenton Not On Tour Quarantine Cast. So far, he's taught you about good coffee. Damn, Jimmy, this is some serious gourmet shit. Good music. I'm like this, you know, and then that becomes your thing. Music just does that. And the secrets to good travel. Exits. Okay, there's one back here. And there's uh, probably one over by the wing somewhere. Now, thanks to COVID-19, he's here to make sure that you're all good during this time of social distancing and self-isolation. So sit back and enjoy as he broadcasts from any number of exotic locations like Costa del Balconia, La Isla del Garage, Playa del Living Room, and the always magical Puerta Bacchiarda. And don't worry, he's already had the coronavirus and beat it. Still, maybe keep a mask handy. Here's BD. Welcome, everybody, to another edition of the Brenton on Tour podcast. Corinne Lee, Rio Theater. My old friend, how are you today? Hello. <laughs> welcome, welcome. I'm doing good. Welcome, welcome, welcome. welcome. It's been a few, uh, a few months. I had you back, uh, I guess, in January of last year before the world shut down. We had a little bit of uh, madness uh, take over after that snowfall. We were all kind of hanging out at the at Nimbus on a music panel with a whole bunch of different people, uh, which we talked music and a bunch of different things, but also, you know, small venues and things like that and sort of the struggles that you had to go to and then COVID's hit and then the world shuts down and we have to talk about more struggles again. So we had to talk about more struggles, but anyways, um, this is Corinne Lee, uh, owner, operator, rad person, Rio theater, uh, in Vancouver, Canada, which is uh, one of the coolest venues for live music and movies and now a sports bar and everything. Uh, but uh, why? let's do a little intro, Corinne, as to who you are for our listener base here who's just joining us for the first time. So, Yeah, well, I've been running the Rio for, um, geez, how long has it been now? It's, I think it's actually been 13 years that I've been running the Rio. So um, uh, before that, I was producing a lot of burlesque shows in the community, and we were just looking for a venue. And so... Uh, we, I found out the Rio was available, so I've been running it since then. And, um, yeah, we've had a lot of battles along the way that we've had to overcome. We changed the liquor laws in 2012 um, because back then uh, movie theaters were not allowed to have a liquor license. Um, it was actually an outdated law from the 1920s that we had to change in order just for us to get a liquor license. Um, and then after that, uh, you know, after we managed to get make that happen um and and we changed the law for uh theaters in all of british columbia so um it wasn't just for us but it also benefited other independent theaters in in the province um and then uh, a couple years later we found out that the uh rio was put up for sale and developers wanted to buy it and tear it down and uh turn it into condos and we had just been getting in our stride and, you know, really doing very well. Business was growing. Um, so this was really devastating news. Um, so instead of letting it be torn down into condos and made into condos, um, we decided to raise the money and buy it ourselves. So we raised $8 million and we have uh, a group of, um, of investors as well as the community um, that now owns the property. And, uh, it's interesting when the pandemic hit, 
we didn't even realize how that would be such a um, such a, a benefit for us because other businesses that had to deal with maybe not a less friendly landlord um, mm. we were able to support the theater um, as a landlord as well as a tenant so um, that I think is one of the reasons why we've managed to get through this you know, as well as, you know, the, the, the subsidies from the government and whatnot that has helped us, you know, while we've been closed. So you got, you guys physically own it, correct? Because it's part of a bigger kind of building, but that section of the building is actually physically yours. No one, yes. can, kick, no one can kick you out. It's like, yeah. this is, yeah, we this own is the, we own the brick and mortar. We, we right. own the whole thing. Yeah. Right. Which would have been so, a big help because a lot of people are struggling with uh, rent um, subsidies and all the rest of it that the government had to go through and try to help. But, you know, you guys, it just seems like a constant battle which for one of the coolest venues and it should never be. And what I mean by that is you had to battle to get the liquor license. You guys yeah. raised the money, which was amazing. But then COVID hits, you got to fight all the, you know, you got to fight some kind of work through the rules to try to become something that you are not you've got to pivot like everyone else everyone else seems mm -hmm. to be able to pivot with no problems but then you guys got to go through this red tape and it just seems like the battle of the rio is a documentary is a documentary in itself yeah we, we've been jokingly calling ourselves the com the comeback kids uh right. just because yeah it just seems every time we turn around there's a new obstacle we've got to overcome but we always come back right you know? so we, we all we always make it through thank goodness um so yeah i mean the whole thing with the sports bar happened because um when uh you know they they kept closing down theaters even though there wasn't an outbreak at any there was no COVID outbreaks at any theaters and right. yet we would so in november when they they shut you know they allowed us to be open from july to november we had no incidents not one single you know incident of covid and so when they decided to shut events down and you know they closed theaters once again at first we thought it was going to be a few weeks and then it just kept getting extended and then it was after christmas and they it, it was pretty clear that this was, extensions were just going to go on and on and on so um, that's when out of pure frustration, when I could see all these sports bars busy with the hockey, yeah. that I just said, screw it, we're gonna become a sports bar. And uh, so, yeah, and I, I honestly thought that they, the health authorities would see how ridiculous this was, but instead they just congratulated us on our <laughs> ingenuity. And so, yeah, so we were a sports bar for two months. Did they give you any, kind of did they give you any kind of like insight as to the, the, like the definition or why it works as a sports bar versus a theater where they like, oh, it's fine. You can put 150 people in for a hockey game, but not 50 for um, a movie, which to me seems the biggest confusion through this whole madness is getting these clarifications as to yeah. the difference between the two, because I've got friends who own gyms. They can't put people in. Mm -hmm because of like you know like they're not allowed to do small group training in like eight foot increments with five people but you can go to the uh, anytime fitness or you can go to the rec center and run directly beside a person in a treadmill so what 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 kind of written like information did you get from the government that defy like define the, the difference between the two of them because it's very confusing yeah what it was is that they just lumped theaters in this events category and that's what we've been trying to get out of because they 
everything in the events category is like weddings, funerals, barbecues, you know, it's just all these social interactions that are not businesses. And so right. we were really frustrated that they had us in this category. Um, churches are in that category as well, but it's a lot harder to control um, most of those environments than it is our business. We're, we were asking to be put in the same category as restaurants and bars because um, you know, when people come to our venue, they come in small pods. They don't come in a big group of 50 and they don't all know each other. They come in their little pods. They, you know, they sit in their little pod, they watch the show and then they leave. So um, it's really easy to control the spacing. Um, you know, the theater is all mapped out so that you can't sit too close to anybody. Um, so yeah, that was really frustrating because I, I felt like the authorities just weren't really looking at it. And mm -hmm. you could see that the lobbying from the, the restaurant association um, was, uh, you know, influencing them. You know, they, they had a lot more lobbying power than we did. So um, there's not that many indie theaters in BC. So yeah. I think, uh, you know, we just kind of got uh, ignored. Like we, we didn't even, you know, we would hear about how she was having these conversations with other industries on the regular. And yet we couldn't even get one conversation to try to get her to understand how our business yeah. operates. You know, it's amazing because you were you were, ta you know, I saw you tagging her and tagging the government all the time saying, hey, hey, what about us? What about us? Uh, and no one fights harder. If you guys are in mm -hmm. Vancouver, you will see Corinne on the um, the TV quite often because she's fighting for the little business. She's been fighting as long as I've known Corinne. She's been fighting for the Rio, which in turn helps all of the small theaters because every every win that you get helps them win. Um, and it's. It's quite something, and and uh, to persevere through not getting the answers. Did you have to kind of create your like your own answers? It seems like it. It's, it almost seems like it, I don't want to say loopholes, but it seems like you've had to kind of really study on how to work through all of these things that are, you know, these feet yeah. that are on your head, right? Yeah, like when when it was my idea to become the sports bar, and that's because I understand the licensing really well. There's no like sports bar license. There it's, you know, you have a liquor license and it's either food primary or it's liquor primary. Yeah. And uh, so I knew I had the same license as any, any bar does. So that's where I, I was pretty confident that it's, if I just called myself a sports bar, I could do it. And uh, there wasn't really anything they could do to stop me. Um, so that's why we, you know, and that we had to go by the same rules as sports bars, which is you have to have the lights up. You can't um, have the volume that loud. Uh, we weren't allowed to charge for tickets, so people had to just come in and you know, it, and watch the sports on the screen. But there, it wasn't like a ticketed thing, so it, it didn't have like we wouldn't have been able to survive as a sports bar for very long because they made so many constraints that you couldn't really make much money off of it. Like yeah. you were just money off concession, right? So um, yeah, so that's why you know we wanted to be go back to being a movie theater as soon as we could. But it was still fun, you know? It was fun, uh, you know, we, we were joking that, you know, here we are a bunch of film nerds pretending to be jocks for a while. And uh, <laughs> it was pretty funny at programming. We'd be trying to figure out like what game is playing and like who's on the team. And we didn't did really- you have to bring a, Did you have to bring a, like a jock in 
to guide you. All right, you guys need to show this game. You need to show this game. You need yeah, to show absolutely. this game. Absolutely. I have, I have some friends that were giving me advice, um, you know, all along the way, uh, because yeah, I, we really didn't follow any of it. So I, I needed to know like what, what, what do people want to watch? What teams are they, you know, interested in? So, and what was fun was, you know, we had a lot of Rio fans that weren't that into sports either. And they just came out just to support support. us. Yeah. Yeah. We, our busiest night, uh, oddly enough was, well, we had the, the UFC of course is always busy, but then the other busiest night was RuPaul's Drag Race, which was really fun. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and I, I just couldn't wait for like the government to try to tell me RuPaul's Drag Race isn't a sport because that would have been fun to argue. Uh, now, uh, there's no, what did I say? There's no such thing as stupid questions, right? No. So what happens to the Rio if you don't get this, if you don't get the, the license to do the sports bar? Um, well, if we weren't able to become the sports bar, then we would have just had to just stay closed for, you know, from November all the way till June 15th, which there's no rent. It's, it's just mortgage at that point. Yeah. Yeah. So we would, we were, are surviving from using the subsidies, uh, yeah. from the government and like, you know, that's keeps us, keeps our doors, you know, uh, keeps us in business, but, um, it was just morale mostly, you know, like when you can't do what you love for more than six months, you know, and I mean, really it's been a whole year of, of interrupted, like even when we were open from July to November, it was limited seating, you know, we can't have live shows. So we have, we haven't been the full Rio theater, uh, you know, at its rocking at its best for more than 15 months. You know, when, when we shut down, just before the pandemic, we had just had one of our best Februaries ever. We had the comedy fest there, mm-hmm. you know, so we're, we're used to having a lot of, you know, a lot of dynamic, exciting things going on there and a lot of sold out shows. And yeah, we, it's been, um, complete upside down world for over a year. And I'm really looking forward to that being over. What is an ideal calendar for you? Like obviously full is the, the answer you're going to give me, yeah. but what's an ideal mix for you? How does, how does the, how does the Rio work best for Korea? Well, it, usually when we're operating, it's about 60% movies and about 40% live. Yeah. Um, I find that mix works really well because live shows are usually limited to more of the weekend, you know, nights uh, during the week and movies you can play on any given night, you know, like on a Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. So I find I, I just really love doing it all because anytime we focus just on movies, then I start to miss the live shows. Yeah. And then anytime we're, uh, just doing live shows, I miss the movies. So, um, I, I really am somebody who loves all of the arts and I feel like it, it's the best expression of the Rio is when we're just doing it all. You had a, um, a bit of a battle with Cineplex or at least you were going, you know, you were fight, again, fighting for the little, the little theater on that mm-hmm. side of it. Um, how does the Rio compete? Like, I guess the, the dumbed down question in this scenario is how do you get your movies? 
what movies are you allowed to show? Like, how do you decide? And I know you're more indie in that in on commercial drive, which is probably just got its dedicated audience right there in that mm-hmm. area. But how does a theater of your size compete against Cineplex? And so, like, and that's for all of them because I'd imagine you're all struggling with the same thing. Is there like a network of like people fighting for you to get you all these amazing movies, or do you have to be very specific and know your audience so you know you can? can satisfy that i'm always curious on how you decide what movies work best for you and how you show well the distributors decide whether or not you get permission and that's that's why we were having to fight um against the monopoly that cineplex has because um you know it's usually no problem for us to get cult classics you know big lebowski you know rocky horror stuff like that but anytime we want to play a brand new movie we are always told that it has to clear Cineplex first. So Cineplex gets first dibs. Mm. And so you don't, we don't get it till they're done with it. But the problem is that Cineplex will just move a film from one theater to the next till they've shipped it off to um, International Village. Is that what it's called now? Sure. <laughs> it used to be Tinseltown. Now it's uh, yeah, International yeah. Village, whatever it is. Like it's that. where movies go to die, basically. Right. So, you know... <laughs> It'll movies will be, you know, the movie could have been out for six months and it'll still be playing there. And so, yeah, we had some very, we've had some very frustrating times where like a big movie like Parasite, we couldn't get our hands on it for six months after it had already been out. And sometimes it's, we're getting to the point where it's already streaming online and there, and we're still trying to get approval for them to let us play it. And, you know, the thing I think that frustrates us the most about that is why does Cineplex think our little theater is such a threat? You know, like, right. why why can't they share? You know, um, it's very frustrating because, you know. What's it going to take to win that battle? Is there going to, is there a chance for you guys or does Cineplex and the distributors, do they throw you a bone ever? They're like, we want this movie everywhere. So Cineplex, we don't give a shit what you think. Every small theater is getting this movie as well. Do you ever get a bone thrown at you? But then maybe it's a shit movie like Fast and Furious. And like, I don't want that. Yeah. <laughs> I, want, no. I want something else. Like, you know what it is, is the distributors are blackmailed. And I'm not afraid to just speak plain talk here. Sure. They're blackmailed by Cineplex because if a distributor gives us a movie, Cineplex will say, fine, if you give it to the Rio, we're going to pull that movie from all of our theaters. And they, they literally will threaten that. Like we've had the distributors tell us that. Um, and so we've tried taking it to the um, uh, the board of, what is it? The consumer protection, is it? I'm forgetting the name of the board that we took them to, but it's, it's all about, um, oh yeah, the competition bureau. We took them to the com- oh, competition yeah. bureau. And we had recordings of distributors admitting that this was happening and the competition bureau still said, oh, no, there's no problem here. So I don't know what the competition bureau is supposed to do, but they, they did not help us at all. So, um, and I, I was actually told that by people who tried to fight this, this situation, you know, previous years. They said yeah. the, the competition bureau won't do anything. And uh, they were right. So, yeah, I, I honestly don't know how how Mm -hmm. we're going to like now that the pandemic is over we're really hoping that there's going to be some you know some compassion you know for our industry it's like we okay we just survived the pandemic 
you know, like now is not the time to be greedy sure. and exclusionary and try to cut out indie theaters. So I'm really, you know, we've been trying to talk to the distributors since we've come back and just plead the case that like, Hey, you know, isn't there a way we can all work together here and uh, not have to go through this cutthroat um, situation again? We'll see. We'll see how it plays out because yeah. Cineplex has not done well with the pandemic either, right? So no. they've had, they in some ways, I feel like they may have a harder time bouncing back than, than some of the indie theaters, um, you know, just because it's, I think it's easier for us to space people out than, uh, than it is at, you know, at a multiplex. Are you a movie fan enough that you, boy that you would boycott them? Even if one of your, you, there's a movie you really, really, really wanted to see, like, but you know, you're never going to get your hands on it, but the only way you're going to see it is either wait for it to come, you know, on one of the streaming services mm -hmm. or you actually would consider going to support you know what? it. Occasionally I do go to Cineplex if it's some, you know, say the kids yeah. want to go and it's, you know, a big action yeah. film that, you know, I think that's something they do well is big films like that. Um, you know, other times I'm lucky because I own a theater. I know eventually I will get it. So there are times I have waited six months to see right. something just because I wanted to watch it in my own theater. Mm -hmm. But, I, you know, I don't blame people if, if they can't wait for their indie theater to get it. It, it makes sense that people want to see movies when they're current. And so um, the way they've got this monopoly, it kind of forces people to... You know, and that's one thing that we were arguing to the um, to to the competition bureau is that it's taking away the choice of of the movie going public. Yeah, you're literally forced to go to the Cineplex because the indie theaters are not getting the content. And is that, that like that in America? Is that not like that all over the world or in America? Is it or it is, is it? It is, is like it, that all over the world. In Canada, yeah. it's worse though because Cineplex mm. dominates ninety. I think it's 95% of the movie going market in across the country. So the, it, they really have, you know, cut down your options to, mm -hmm. for where you want to go see a movie. And that, you know, I, to me, that shouldn't be okay. You know, it's like in any market, if, if you're taking away choices from consumers, yeah. um, that doesn't seem right. The, uh, and I'd imagine with your, your clientele though, which is to me in the, at least in that market where you are in that part of the, of the city would, uh, th there's a specific kind of movie that you likely have in that market. I know you play a lot of nostalgia stuff, which is awesome. You do theme kind of stuff. So it's always really cool. I always like to check and see what you got going on because for the amount of say new release ish kind of flicks you had going on. You also have this really great nostalgic kind of thing happening with like, you know, Pulp Fiction weekend or Tarantino weekend or this weekend. It's really, really cool. Um, affordable. You can go and check these things back in the theater that you uh, might've missed the first time. And I'd imagine it's crucial to your business to have that kind of theme and have those things, things happen. And I would imagine the market where you are doesn't want a ton of these blockbusters. Um, you would, I would assume, pull in a full house on a really awesome re reviewed indie flick over if the Rio was showing, and I'm going to keep picking on them, Fast and the Furious 9 in that, yeah. part of in that part of Vancouver. Maybe out in Surrey, in Chilliwack, 
that would work. But mm-hmm. I'm just saying yeah. your market would, you, you know, you have a bit more options for your personal demo in that area, I would think, to be able to try yeah, to fill absolutely. your Yeah, There's movies yeah. that we just don't even want to play at the Rio. Like, I don't, right. I don't care about playing most of the superhero movies or, you know, all, all the big franchise films. We, and, you know, we've done really well at films that don't play at the Cineplex. Like, Fantastic Fungi was an incredible documentary all about, you know, uh, mushrooms and uh, their, their pot, you know, the positive qualities of, uh, um, you know, that you can get from them. And um, we played Fantastic Fungi for like six months and people just kept coming. It was one of our top selling movies. And yeah, there, there's not many films that you can do that well for six months. Um, so yeah, I feel like I'm still confident that we can, we can still survive even with Cineplex trying to crush us because, mm-hmm. uh, you know, we've been forced to be, um, creative since day one. We're always having to come up with, um, new content, new ideas. Um, so yeah, so I, I'm confident that no matter what limitation gets put on us, we can find a way around it because we just seem to be pretty squirrely that way. So now you like, uh, th- you were talking about how you like the mix between the, the live and all the rest of it. We can get into some of the great shows that have been there, but um, I'm not sure how many people know about uh, you and the burlesque. And I think it's quite uh, this, this alter ego of, of Corinne, or maybe it's your, maybe the, the Rio theater Corinne that we know is your alter ego and burlesque <laughs> is actually you, yeah, but this is, uh, this is, this is Corinne and uh, the alter ego. I'll say mm-hmm. shamelessly, uh, which is awesome. Um, and definitely, and you perform at the Rio, you know, obviously su- supporting your own cause there, but supporting an amazing group of um, uh, women and everybody. So dive in a little bit on the burlesque, because I've actually, we've never spoken about this um, mm-hmm. as, as far as just, we've done a lot of work together and we've over the years and all the rest of it. But, but how did that, how did the burlesque world into your, your, your world? Um, I started doing burlesque in, uh, Short, uh, shortly after I'd had a baby, actually, I was really? just, yeah, I was like 32, I remember when I started doing it. And it's funny because, you know, you'd think that some, that'd be something you'd start when you were younger, you know, you might feel more confident, but I didn't, I didn't feel that confident when I was younger. And I wasn't, I also just wasn't really drawn to it. But as I, as I got older, um, I, yeah, this, this whole exhibitionist side of me came out and the just really fun loving and uh performance side and then i and i met you know a big group of great women that were doing burlesque and and so it was just a really fun community to be a part of and um the sweet soul burlesque girls were the ones that i first got involved with um and that was in the early days of burlesque when there was literally only two troops in the whole city now there's you know i don't know uh, dozens of, of, I don't know, maybe there, there might even be like a hundred different troops. There's a lot of burlesque dancers nowadays. Um, but, uh, yeah, it was just for me, a really fun, creative outlet, a great way to express myself. And, um, the more I did it, the more I just found that it just, you know, uh, really is an alter ego for me where, Mm -hmm. um, you know, my I, my stage name is Shameless Lee because uh, just for the idea that, you know, we're kind of taught to be to feel shame about our bodies, 
um, and sexuality and all of that. And so, um, you know, once you choose, you choose your stage name to give you confidence when you go out there. And so that name shameless always gave me a lot of confidence and, um, yeah. And, and she's, I definitely feel like she's part of me. Like when, when I'm, you know, my friends will, will say they know shameless for sure. Cause she comes out, uh, definitely when we're, you know, when we're having some fun. Um, but, uh, and it's been, it's just been fun, you know, all the, uh, co-productions that I've worked on, you know, we've done like, uh, star Wars burlesque. We've done, um, I can't uh, believe I missed that. I you, uh, got, so you do it every single year. Every single year you do the star, or, or I've seen it, and I'm like, we got to get down there. And it's like, we got to get down and see it. Um, I think you and I even spoke about it. You're like, I think you had something that, that was on the way at the last time we spoke. And I was looking, and, and the Star Wars burlesque was coming. I'm like, this is going to be amazing. Um, did you do Game of Thrones too? Well, did you yeah, guys do? Yeah, Game of Thrones burlesque <laughs> was amazing, and I'm that's one of my favorite ones because I I'm usually involved in that one as a performer as well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's you know over the years when I look back at all the you know, crazy fun shows we've done. It's, it's been a really good time and the audience has been right along there with us. And, you know, that community is very supportive because, um, you know, we all kind of understand that we're all there to be supportive and uh, of each person's personal expression. Um, so it's very body positive, but very sex positive. Yeah. And, um, so yeah, I just I think it's a great community to be a part of, and so uh, it was so awesome when I had my own theater that I could you know uh, be a, you know kind of a home for other mm -hmm. burlesque performers and producers. I would imagine it's a, a bit therapeutic too, yeah. Absolutely, just, yeah. yeah. Once once you've yeah. you know once you've you know uh, done a striptease on stage in front of hundreds of people, you definitely you know, uh, have a certain confidence and overcome any kind of fears that way. I mean, you, usually my biggest fear is just remembering the choreography and, mm. you know, just, just, you know, trying to, you know, have your smooth moves. Um, I, I don't really, I'm never really that concerned about, uh, you know, the, the nudity side of it. I've always been quite comfortable that way. So. This is the only picture I could show on this show. I mean, it's going to go on the net. It's going to go on the internet. Uh, as I'm sure people can find racier stuff if they want on yeah. YouTube and things like that. But you've got quite a selection there that, um, yeah. that, uh, well, my friends go visit as you Corinne and at shamelessly on Twitter and, um, wherever and, and you'll find her and there's some great stuff there. So, but we'll just, yeah, post the this Instagram one. is where, where I we'll put, post this one. you know, mo most of my more burlesque stuff. Sure. No, it's great. Good for you. And I, I think it's, it's, it's amazing that you, um, it's therapeutic. You've brought this community, you give them a home, uh, which generally speaking, um, must be a struggle to find places to do it. I mean, geez, Vancouver is losing venues like crazy. I mean, everyone was stoked when you were able to do shows and then, uh, add alcohol to it. Right. And then, so it's just another venue that gave options for promoters to do shows, but also things like um, burlesque and um, just another a great addition to the city. Just a place that would, are you known as like the place now for burlesque? There's got to be a few, but it's you haven't done it we're in a while. Of, we're one of the main burlesque places. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, I mean, sometimes they want a bit more of a nightclub vibe. So there are some venues that provide, sure. you know, a bit more of that vibe. Um, but yeah, we've got, you know, the nice big stage and they can use their the visuals and all of that. So, mm-hmm. um, also, you know, I, I am conscious that I try to make it affordable. Um, you know, we always make, we, we, we do, um, co-productions with people who I know are experienced promoters and I know can fill a house. If, if I, if someone can fill a house, I'm happy to work with them in a sure. way that, that makes them money and makes us money. Um, because yeah, some, t- some of these smaller promoters, it's not as easy for them to, um, you know, come up with the money at upfront to be able to, to do a show. Mm-hmm. And so there, I have ways of working with people that, uh, you know, help, help support them. There almost wasn't a Rio and, um, now you've got a place for people to go. Can you talk a little bit about the save the Rio campaign that you had going on? Because it's, it's not. It's uh, it was a massively successful campaign, uh, as far as I'm concerned. But you might have a different opinion about that. But just the press on it, the people that got involved. There's Kevin Smith there, uh, mm-hmm. who's obviously become a buddy uh, for you and and all the rest of it. But um, how did that how did that little thing start? Then turn into such a big thing after that. Yeah, it was. I was so um, blown away by the. Sim- the amount of support that we got, uh, you know, locally from, you know, from celebrities internationally, just everybody just kind of rose to the occasion. And I know when I first started, you know, saying, Oh yeah, we're going to raise $8 million to buy the Rio. I had, I had a lot of people that thought no way that is not going to happen. You know, that's just a crazy idea. Um, and, I don't know what it is in me, but I, for some reason, I don't get deterred like most people do. I like, I don't get scared off of, um, doing things that seem really hard to do. Uh, so, and so what I have learned is if you show up, other people will show up. Right. So if you say, you know, and then of course the people you rely on most when you're doing something like that is the first supporters, the people who, it's, you know, it still looks like a long shot, but they're going to support you anyways. And once you get those people on board, then it just seems to attract more and more and more energy. And um, before you know it, you've, you know, the whole thing has come together. And yeah. so, yeah, it was, I kind of had to pinch myself at the end that it's like, wow, we actually did it. Um, but there's a certain part of me that wasn't surprised, which is weird. I think it's because I just have so much faith in the community and I've mm-hmm. seen it. You know, when when people came to help rally to help us get the liquor laws changed, I saw how supportive the community was then. So I I I feel like I've witnessed the power of community firsthand. So I don't I never feel like I feel like there's just about it like you you could do just about anything if you've got the community behind you. Mm-hmm. Was there, uh, there was a lot of celebrities challenging celebrities. So uh, <laughs> how much, uh, speaking of shamelessly, how much shaming went on? <laughs> like where you're like, Hey, listen, uh, Kevin Smith donated, uh, Ryan Reynolds, are you going to donate? Hey, Seth Rogen, are you going to donate? How many, uh, when, when did the, the, the piling on of the celebrities start? You know what? The great thing is, is we didn't have to shame anybody. They all just nice. volunteered. Like Kevin Smith volunteered. Um, like they contacted us. Nice. Um, he just came out and said, Hey, I'll, I'll donate a couple of shows. And we took him up on it and Ryan Reynolds just contacted us and said, Hey, I donated. And then, um, 
we, you know, followed up with him from there. And, and yeah, so each one of them came to us in their own way. So um, it was pretty cool to see. I think, you know, for those guys that work that, you know, they're celebrities working in the film industry, they also know how important independent theaters are, right? Because not every single movie they do is a big blockbuster, you know, in, in all the mainstream theaters. Sometimes they want to do indie things, um, or maybe they just have such a love for the craft that they, they just, you know, want to support an indie theater. So, well, I'm so glad they did because it's one of the best venues uh, in the land. I love it, love it, love it, love it. Even though it's a sports bar now, which is cool. I was gonna say, like, I don't know if you're showing the the game, the games and stuff right now. I guess you're gonna. We are. I, I, was, I was thinking about this, like, like we've hired a Rio jock to tell us what to show. It just kind of cracks me up. So. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we, we're we're opening. So we've been closed, you know, since they they closed yeah. bars and restaurants back in March. So we've been closed for the last two months. So we're reopening as the sports bar on Friday. We'll be open for about 10 days. And then as soon as we're allowed to be a movie theater, which is June 15th, then we'll be showing movies again. Um, but we will keep uh, showing some of the sporting events, mm -hmm. um, you know, like the UFC. Uh, we'll probably keep showing RuPaul's Drag Race when we can. And, um, you know, and, and any of the really big games that people want to come out for. Um, does, it does it change anything for you? Like, do you have to, to change a bunch of things in order to be able to, to do movies and concerts no. and everything right now? So no. it's, you, you're all, you're good to go on all of it now. Yeah. 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 It's okay. just a matter of hitting, you know, uh, pressing play on the content and mm -hmm. everything else stays the same. So sure. Yeah. So I have a game on here that I like to play uh, with my guests on some of the other pods that I do um, on here focus a lot on the journey for java which is coffee driven but you don't drink the coffee so what we're going to do is i'm going to get into i'm still going to run this little game called the espresso shot that we do but okay. i'm going to hit you with a couple of different questions here that that are more corinne based all right mm -hmm. so we're going to do this and um take as long as you need but we're going to do this fast so here we go mm -hmm. <laughs> so this is the espresso shot with corinne lee rio theater here we go three two one Corinne Lee's favorite movie? The Lobster. Why? I, I, it just makes me laugh so hard that I cry every time I watch it. And it's just so hilarious. Favorite actor and actress? Oh, favorite actor and actress. Um, I'm, oh, I really love, um, I'm forgetting her name, but she played Polly in um, uh, Peaky Blinders. So good. She just recently passed away, and I, sh I should know her real name, but I love her. She's amazing. Uh, actor, um, oh, um, uh, who's my favorite actor? I really was impressed with um, actually Cillian Murphy's performance in Peaky Blinders, but also mm -hmm. um, Tom. What's his name? It's not Tom Brady. Not Tom Cruise, not Tom guy. Holland. It's oh. uh, anyways. He's in Peaky Blinders too, and he's awesome. I should know the name. I'm I'm sorry. I should. <laughs> <It's okay. him. laughs> I put you on the spot. It's yeah. uh, the ghost go to song for Corinne. Anytime you hear that song, no matter what mood you're in, you are in a better mood after. Oh, um, Blondie. Anything Blondie. I love it. Anything Blondie. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Um, your favorite show that's happened at the Rio. 
Oh, it's hard to choose because there's so many good ones. Um, I'd probably have to say Game of Thrones live uh, just because it's so crazy. You know, we've got everything from fire-breathing dragons to, you know, burlesque. We, we even do a poetry, um, uh, uh, no, a dirty haiku battle. Um, so we, we get two different poets pretending to be R.R. L. Tolkien and... Um, uh, no, sorry, George R. R. Martin and L.L. Anyways, the guy who wrote The Hobbit and the guy who wrote <laughs> Game of Thrones, they compete and they do a dirty haiku battle and it is so funny because they still have to keep within the syllables, but they, uh, um, that, but it's supposed to be as dirty as they can and it's just mm -hmm. really, really funny. Who's your go-to celeb on your speed dial if you need a hand? We need you down um, here now to do a stand-up set right now. Yeah, you know what? Greg Sestero from The Room has become a really good friend of mine. And, nice. you know, he, he's an interesting celebrity because he's he's not, you know, an A-lister or anything, but he, he through the wild, crazy world of The Room, has met a lot of people, and he's a lot of fun. And I, he understands the irony of fame and all of that. So I, I, I really enjoy him. Two more questions. Your favorite real moment so far? Um... Favorite Rio moment, I guess, mm, I'd say the Kevin Smith, you know, the, the two shows that he donated was pretty amazing because mm -hmm. he had just recovered from having a heart attack. Um, when he first donated these shows, uh, he was perfectly healthy. Then he had the heart attack and we thought, oh, he's going to cancel for sure. Um, because, you know, who would expect, you know, someone who just survived a heart attack to show up and he was, he, he didn't cancel. He was like, nope, I'm still coming. So I, it was just so heartfelt, um, you know, to see him there. And, uh, he's, he's just such a great storyteller. He just told us all about his experience actually yeah. having, you know, had the heart attack and um and he's you know he's a local film he went to film school here in vancouver yeah. he always brings it back to vancouver and he's very supportive of the local community so um yeah he's a special guy and very inspiring final question it's tom this... hardy that's his name tom hardy right right thank you you make this much money let me do this. You make this much money to run the Rio and all yeah. the things that go with it. You make this much money to do burlesque and they're both the same. Someone comes to you and says, you got to pick one. Which one is Corinne, uh, Corinne doing for the rest of her life? If she gets paid the same to do both. It's running the Rio. It's running the Rio. Hands down, running the Rio. Um, yeah, I, I often say, you know, people are always trying to figure out what they want to do when they grow up. And yeah. I found it, you know, running the Rio is my favorite thing to do. Um, you know, it's the community, it's, it's, it's the art, like, um, you know, the amount of art I get exposed to, whether it be film, music, you know, comedy, live performances is, is I feel so lucky. Mm -hmm. And honestly, that's, what's been so hard during the pandemic, because I, I feel like I've been, you know, I feel like I've been going through withdrawal. I yeah. need to, uh, I need to get my fix of, uh, of art again so uh, and and community and just being around people so i cannot wait to get back at it my favorite line about you know how i'm how i'm going to be after the pandemic is i say that uh we're coming i'm coming back we're myself in the rio we are coming back 
with a creative vengeance mm -hmm. uh, because we've been held back too long. And yeah, so I can't wait to just let loose. Amazing. So shamelessly will remain your alter ego forever. Yes. Yeah. And Corinne Lee will remain as the runner of the real theater for the rest of your life, which is a great thing. That's a great thing. Cause you definitely, mm -hmm. uh, you fought for that and have created an incredible space and a creative space and amazing space for this city. So it's awesome. So, all right, that's been the espresso shot, uh, with Corinne Lee real theater. We are almost that time. So I won't keep you too much longer. I know you've had a busy, busy day. Um, basically what's a day in the life for you right now? Well, right now it's kind of fun because, you know, we've, there hasn't been much going on for this past year. Um, yeah. It's fun because we're, you know, fixing up our concession area. We're redoing our bar menu. So yeah, we're kind of sprucing things up and looking forward to, uh, you know, getting ready for being open again. And so it's just fun. You know, the staff are coming back. Everyone's messaging each other, you know, finding out looks like pretty much all of our staff are returning and that feels great that you know because we're we're we pretty much feel like a family there so it will be great to see everyone again and um yeah so it's kind of like getting ready for a party you know feel feels fun awesome it's exciting it's exciting to have this feeling of of whatever it is we used to do yeah coming back yeah uh, i'm super certainly super excited about it myself so yeah all right Corinne, where can everybody find you online? I've been kind of posting stuff. I, I don't think I've forgotten anything. I got Twitter. I got the Rio at Rio Theater. Um, but if anyone wants to support the Rio, any kind of information that you can pass on like now, it would be great. So I really want well, to. Yeah, one great way to support the Rio right now is we do have our merch available online. You can buy it and it will uh, get delivered straight to your house. We have the Rio Sports Bar t-shirts, which uh, I was posing in my fishnets for fishnets do are, are not included in the purchase. No, are you sure? <laughs> no, sorry. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, uh, when you do, if you do get a t-shirt, we are asking people to take a selfie and uh, share it um, because it, it just helps support the theater um, and all the proceeds go to, you know, making sure that we keep our doors open. So um, you can find that on our website. There's a section called merch and you just click there and um, you can see, we also have other classic Rio t-shirts too, not just sports bar. Awesome. 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 Well, friend, it's been uh, a bit of a, a battle over the last little bit. I've been keeping an eye out and uh, it's just one of the best things I like to see is when you win. So you're always, fighting and to me you're always winning and i love it so everyone when you come to vancouver you got to go to the rio it's one of the best venues uh in the land it's amazing uh nostalgic old but they've got it it's lovely it's beautiful um uh movies music you name it everything is there uh stand up burlesque everything it's the perfect place so corinne i can't thank you enough for your time today it's awesome to see you again thank you Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. And yeah, just so people know, uh, we'll be a movie theater for the summer, but in September, that's when we're told, uh, you know, if all goes well, that live shows will be back. So we're very excited uh, for that to happen. I myself am also standing by for that. So I can't wait to do that again. So 
<laughs> Anyways, that's uh, that's Corinne. Thank you so much, friend. I'll let you go and uh, thanks I'll a, lot. a couple of things here. So thanks so much for joining me this week on the Brent on Tour podcast. Come back anytime, and uh, I can't wait to uh, to uh, hear how it goes once you get reopened and everything. So that's awesome. awesome. Thanks, cool. friend. Take care. Bye. That's Corinne Lee. Amazing, amazing, amazing story. She has done incredible things for this city. She's doing um, just wonderful, wonderful things for for the arts community. And she's fought and clawed and and, and everything to keep that thing just uh, hopping. I love that venue so much. So a huge thanks for her to making the time because I know she's so busy right now. So um, anyways, friends, that's been the Brenton on Tour podcast uh, for this week. Um, more big, more guests uh, as we continue on next week. I've got uh, Tim Wendelbow, uh, world champion Arrow Press uh, coffee roaster, who is like the best in the world. I love him, love him, love him. I got Casey Joe Lewis coming up, uh, recently uh, rehired um, into Radio World with Sea uh, Fox, and I've got Katie from uh, Nice Horse coming on too. So a lot of really, really cool guests, including the biggest guest I've uh, I've ever booked. Uh, and he's a cast member on The Soprano, so it's going to be great. Uh, a lot of fun there. Thanks, everybody. That is the Brenton on Tour podcast. i got to thank my friends at Blue Microphones uh, for the Blue Yeti X and uh, the uh, Mixify headphones that you see right here. They have sent me this as well as the Logitech C920. That's right. We're in HD now, which is the best. Uh, love that. And couldn't wait to get that kind of set up and ready to go. So, you know, my mug is not really the best for HD. But anyways, we're going with it. Anyways, thanks to my friends over at DeanBlundell.com as well and all those guys over there for hosting hosting the Brent's podcast as well as the uh, Kids on the Escalator podcast, which I do on Tuesday nights with my good friend Chris Machetti. So tune in to that every Tuesday night. Um, this comes out on Wednesday. So last night, it was all kiss all the time with Brent Fitz and Todd Kearns from Slash's band. So go check out that episode as well. So yeah, that's what's going on over there. Um, my friends at Partake, I haven't thanked, I thanked, thanked them in a while. Um, they sponsored the Brenton on Tour cast uh, as well. This is non-alcoholic beer. It's really, really great. Uh, there you go. Have a look at that. They got the pale. They got the blonde. They got the red. They got an IPA. It's 10 calories and it's fantastic. So make sure you check that out as well. Thank you, everybody. It is the Brenton on Tour podcast for this week. We will see you next week on all the platforms. Thanks for listening, friends. Come on a journey like no other, where you will discover many roads that will lead you to a happier, healthier, and more stress-free life. And the beauty is, you don't need any vacation time for this adventure. The journey will come to you. Join Avery Rich on your very own journey into yoga. Along the way, she will demystify yoga poses and guide you into a yoga posture or short sequence, all in less than 15 minutes. You have nothing to lose but stress. The Journey Into Yoga podcast. It's not for people who like yoga. It's for people who don't like yoga. Follow or subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at AveryRich.com. Kids, I'm your eager beaver. And I'm Mr. Grizzly. If you love politics or hate politics, then have we, we the perfect, perfect podcast, podcast for you. you. The True North Eager Beaver. Incisive political commentary. We keep you up to date and give you the political and media literacy you seek. To help you cut through the bovine fecal matter. Facts first. Sound analysis. Sometimes I growl. Sometimes I sass. We impart civics and build community. And we share some laughs along the way. Being informed and engaged has never been more fabulous. Or sexy. Catch us on, on the Dean Blundell Network. Network. Or on our YouTube channel. Or wherever you get your podcasts. Because, because democracy, democracy is, is something, something you do. do.